welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your host, Ken and Trevor. As always, you can find us on social media. Trevor's at the BleacherCon1. I am at the BleacherCon2 on Facebook, the Bleacher Connection podcast, and our website where you can find all of our episodes. And are you kidding me? TheBleacherConnection.podbean.com. Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm actually really good today, Ken. It's uh, unlike last week where it was, what, plus 50 degrees Celsius, it felt like when we were recording. It's only maybe plus 30 down here right now. <clears throat> it's uh, in the Calgary area. It's very muggy. Um, for those crazy people who've decided to attend the Calgary Stampede, I guess um, they're getting some good weather. Uh, we had some crazy thunderstorms at about 7 a.m. this morning roll through uh, the Calgary area. I was actually concerned we may not get to record this morning because it was uh, booming pretty good. But, you know, other than that, has been, uh, been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks in our lives. Ken, you celebrated your wedding anniversary on Wednesday. That was, you know, yes. one of the reasons we couldn't record Are You Kidding Me this week because you apparently had more important things. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. if I wanted there to be a fourth, I was pretty sure it was a good idea not to go and record an episode on Wednesday. So I do apologize, my fault. But, yeah, I kind of, it was an important Important day, so it was nice. Got to spend the day together. We foolishly went for a middle of the day walk down at a dog park, and it was hotter than hell. It wasn't quite as hot as it was, but man, it was still hot. Ken, off air, we're going to have to discuss your commitment to this show. I, I just don't know that you can be bailing for family reasons. It's not like I've done it a few times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, there was that one time. If we just to refresh your memory, where I think it was the. Derek Dennis interview that yeah something about a kid's <laughs> birthday kind of got in the way like yeah yeah, yeah. I, I guess I could give you a free pass this time but <laughs> I think I think we're even yeah well actually I think I'm a little ahead of you I think I've had to miss three episodes due to family commitments and well I know two for family one because I felt like hell after getting my first <laughs> coronavirus <laughs> shot so <laughs> yeah fair enough fair enough uh no, that's great. Well, on this week's episode, as you, as we discussed, we didn't get a chance to record Are You Kidding Me earlier in the week. So we're going to have a little mini version of that to kick off our show this week. And Ken, this is our second second uh, off season coming up for uh, the NH- in the NHL for the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks while we've been recording this show. We started doing this last year. We did the Calgary Flames, Vancouver Canucks off-season primer. We're at that time again. Uh, we were kind of talking about this yesterday, and it was like, holy smokes, like, it's the off-season. We should probably do our primer show. Yeah. And we weren't going to get a chance to record again before a couple of major events happen. So we're back at it. We're going to have our Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks off-season primer, volume two, 2021 version uh, we were bang on the money in our 2020 picks. We both picked our teams to make some crazy moves and miss the playoffs. So as always, the Bleacher Connection, 100% accurate in all of our predictions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, uh, we're seeing it a little bit differently, but uh, as long as no one goes back and listens to the tapes, we'll be all right. Yes. As much as we want you to go back and listen, don't listen to any of our prediction shows because we just look like fools. Well, I mean, don't say that. I mean, if you want to go back and listen, do it, but use it for the single game betting purposes that we'll be able to do in the future here to go against what we say. You might make some money. Just remember us when you do. You're very, very fair point there, Ken. Well, why don't we kick it off, Ken? 
we missed it earlier in the week. Let's let's get going. I, I think you have a special guest coming on to introduce our show, our uh, our segment this week of Are You Kidding Me? We obviously have one very very loyal listener in the Tampa Bay, Florida region. He ripped us off. He completely ripped us off earlier this week. Ken, why don't you let yeah. the people know what we're talking about? Yeah, Nikita Kucherov. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The guy stole our bit. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup, and he goes up there and absolutely rips Montreal. And and I thought the whole thing was great. He actually went up there, crushed a beer. He's up there, tarps off. He's just sitting there going off about how he thinks Vasilevsky should have been the MVP last season, the Vesna Trophy winner last season, the Vesna Trophy winner this season what do you call it the number one bullshit number one bullshit like, yeah number one bullshit <laughs> yeah. this press conference i don't think it ever got on the rails it was just off the rails from the get-go and i think this is the part where you want to see personality from hockey players you got it you got it right here and what he also did was created an absolute monster villain time for Tampa and Montreal going into next season because of what he said. He ripped them for celebrating the game four victory like they won the Stanley Cup. It was incredible, right? And I think uh, he took a lot of heat from it, and I kind of don't know why. People always complain that hockey players give the same answers over and over and over again. It doesn't matter who it is, what team, rookie, veteran, it's all the same. It's all the same regurgitated answers. And when someone goes up there and actually gives you a real moment, oh, dear God, it's the worst thing that ever happened in hockey. Well, credit to Nikita Kucherov. He definitely gave 110% on that interview, and and he definitely got the beers in deep prior to the interview. So I got to give the guy full credit here. He he told it like it was. It was amazing. And, and you hit the nail on the head. You go, these guys usually get ripped for having the same old cliched answers. Pucks in deep, 110%. Well, he Sticks did that. On ice. He skip, keep your stick on the ice and your head up. Well, he, uh, he got the gloves off and started chucking bombs. It was awesome. I, if I was a Habs fan, sure, I could be a little bit upset. I'm not a Habs fan, thank God. I could see why they're a little touchy on it. Your team just got smoked in the Stanley cup playoffs, you know, full credit to them getting there. I I don't think they should have been there in the first place, but that's a different topic. They played well. They went through some good teams. They played some good team hockey, full credit to the Montreal Canadians on their playoff run. They shouldn't have been there. They got smoked by a better team and they essentially rubbed it in. Nikita Kucherov rubbed it into Habs fans. I can't, I can't fault this one bit. I, I thought it was awesome. I, I really did think it was awesome. I loved the personality. I wish more guys would do it. You know, Jeremy Roenick, things have happened since. He was colorful personality. And at the time, people always vilified him. But that, the stuff like that's good for the game. I, I want to see more of it. I want to see more NHL players acting like NBA players, NFL players, Major League Baseball, where you get to know these guys. And we know how Nikita Kucherov really feels. And it was awesome. I, it really was. I would. I wish we had a standing ovation 
sound bite on on available here because I would absolutely give him a sound standing ovation. It was amazing. Thank you, Nikita Kucherov. You you look at other sports. Like let's take baseball and the Atlanta Braves and Miami Marlins have a massive, massive rivalry right now because almost every single time the Marlins and Braves play, Ronald Acuna Jr. is getting plucked. And there was a game about a week ago where the first pitch of the game, first pitch of the game, they the Marlins pitcher tries to go, air quote, tries to go inside on him, hits him, and then the pitcher gets tossed after one pitch. And why is because Acuna Jr. is a big personality. Look at Fernando Tatis Jr., big personality. These guys, these guys have followings and bring people to watching the game because they're a personality that people want to see. Unfortunately for Atlanta, there won't be any more Acuna Jr. this season, though. That's terrible. No, that's uh, terrible. Yeah. Well, it just goes with the long list of injuries. They have uh, the Canadian pitcher Soroka. He's out after re-tearing his Achilles. So these guys are good for the game because it draws people in. It gives you that clickbait video or story that the casual fan will click on to see because it's funny, because it's whatever. It's good for the game, and we shouldn't be trying to bury it. I'm just glad. And I've been glad. I'm just glad Don Cherry was not part of that broadcast because we'd have to listen to him for the next six years yes. crapping all over this. I mean, that dinosaur is gone, and I'm glad. The Nikita Kucherov thing actually kind of reminds me of Jose Batista and the bat flip. And he got crucified for the bat flip for, and, and showing emotion after hitting the huge home run against the Texas Rangers. And, and now it's actually almost commonplace in the game where <clears throat> celebrating big home runs and such, you do see bat flips quite regularly. And to be honest, is there anything wrong with it? No. What is wrong with showing a little bit of emotion, showing some personality, showing some color? I love it. it, it we need more of this. You know, maybe the crazy NFL showboating where you get 17 guys in the end zone after a touchdown doing a choreographed line dance might be a little bit uh, over the top, but there's nothing wrong with showing emotion and celebrating and being yourself. I want more of it. Batista got vilified for doing that in a big, big playoff game near the end of the game. And that was wrong. That was so, so wrong. Every, like you say, he was vilified for it. Yet now you guys got doing it in preseason, first inning, second inning, you know, meaningless games. And it's, it's okay. And that's fine. It's, it's good for the game because it's exciting, but it, it starts with one and then you build off of it. And sometimes, sometimes you got to be the bad guy to be a hero. Totally agree. So we're going to move on to our, uh, our second, are you kidding me of the week? And th- this one actually happened last night at, the 2021 ESPY Awards. And again, this one's going to be a bit of a hockey theme. And what are we referring to? Apparently, Patrick Kane is the best player in the NHL, according to the voters for the ESPY Awards. Are you kidding me? This guy's not even top 10 anymore. It's not even close. Yeah, play it again, Ken. (laughs) 
Ken, the, the guy who you just played, Nikita Kucherov, is ahead of him. Connor McDavid is ahead of him. Leon Dreisaitl is probably ahead of him. Nathan Mark Stone, McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon. The list goes Austin on Matthews. On. Austin Matthews. Victor Hedman. Like, I don't even Vasilevsky. know that he cracks the, Yeah, Andre Vasilevsky. I don't even know that he cracks the top 10 anymore. And he was voted number one best player in the NHL. Clearly, there is a, uh, an, a major uh, American bias on this. Patrick Kane, top U.S. player in the NHL. Maybe. Um, Austin Matthews is yeah. probably still ahead of him. I, I guess he plays in a major U.S. market. I, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt for that one. Top American player, sure. He's in the top three. Best in the NHL, not a chance. This is so far. We would have to start a new segment off the rails. This is so far off the rails that it's not even funny. Like, I don't know who's voting. They've obviously never watched an NHL game in the last two, three seasons because he hasn't been one of the best players in the NHL for a while now. And he's still a phenomenal talent. I would take him on my team in a heartbeat, but come on. Are you kidding me? Well, if, if Vasilevsky not winning the Vez is number one, this is number two bullshit. Like, this is just a joke. Like, ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, the new NHL rights holders, and you pick a guy who's wasn't overly relevant in the overall season. There was a lot of other players that should have got this award. And the fact that you had Connor McDavid as the hands-down unanimous heart trophy winner clearly clearly unanimous is not the top player in the nhl at the espies it kind of brings to the question what's the point of even doing the hockey category at the espies if this is what you're going to put out like it's a joke this is i like i don't pay a lot of attention to the espies but just through twitter and other things having it pop up I looked at it and went, are you kidding? This is like naming Louis Erickson MVP of the Canucks last season. This is almost like having Baker Mayfield be the NFL MVP of the season. Like, good player, but not not even close. No. It just, yeah, I, I was baffled by it, and I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And it was just like, this makes zero sense. There were so many other guys ahead of Patrick Kane right now. And it's as you said, this isn't necessarily a slight at Patrick Kane. It's a slight towards ESPN and the ESPYs because this is a joke. You, you just kind of you got people scratching their head, going, "What's the point of having the ESPYs then if this is what you're going to do?" Well, we'd love to hear from the listeners out there. Is Patrick Kane the best player in in the NHL? Clearly, we disagree. Can you guys make an argument against it? We'd love to hear from you on Twitter. I'm at the BleacherCon1. Ken is at the BleacherCon2. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Well, moving into the main topic of today's show, and that is the Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks off-season primer 2021, volume two. Ken, as discussed prior, everything we talked about last year happened. Our teams did exactly what we did. I don't understand why we're not the general managers general managers of the Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks because we are so bang on in everything we say. And we thought we were so accurate, we have to give another crack at this to, to, to show the NHL world 
this is kind of our resume. If, if, the, if Calgary Sports and Entertainment is listening right now, and of course they are, this is my official application to be the next general manager of the Calgary Flames. Ken, if the Aquilini family is listening, it's the same thing for you. Like we're clearly, clearly so far right here that how we don't have these jobs is beyond me. But beyond our personal self accolades, let's jump right in to the expansion draft. That is the, the, the protection lists have to be handed in. I believe it's this coming Friday or Saturday. It's and the 17th. The 17th. And then the Seattle Kraken are going to start picking players from our teams. Ken, let's start with the Vancouver Canucks. What do you see happening here? Well, we've got some obvious players that we got to protect here. And I think the, the Canucks have a chance that they're going to lose a decent player out of it. Uh, they've got a few guys that they're going to have to, obviously no brainers that they're going to have to pick. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm changing one of mine up right now. Louis Erickson, I think you leave exposed. They got a lot of guys that are out big contracts that Seattle's probably not going to take. So the Canucks have a chance of losing a younger player. The Canucks are also in a position where with some of those immovable contracts, they're also in a position to make some deals where they could potentially bring some players in from other teams between now and the 17th that they don't want to lose for free. Because we don't know if there's going to be a lot of side deals like Vegas got um, four years ago, five, whatever it was, because I'm going to venture a guess. No, seeing as how well that turned out for Vegas. Well, based on everything that happened with the last expansion, Seattle is ahead of at least seven teams in the odds for winning the Stanley cup. It's either seven or 11. They're ahead of that many teams. They don't even have a roster. And unfortunately I, I do believe our teams are behind them. Uh, in the, in those rankings. Well, that's because odds. our teams didn't hire us as the general managers. They didn't. That's right. Yeah. It's their own fault. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, obvious Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, Miller, Tanner Pearson. I would protect Tyler Mott over some of the other names because he is a guy that you just want to have around. He is kind of like a heart and soul type player. He plays hard. He, he does all the dirty work and you're protecting Elias Pedersen. And I changed it up and I'm going to protect Jonah Gadjevich, who is an RFA, but he's a young guy that you want to kind of have around and see where it goes. The Canucks are looking at potentially, I mean, you leave Matthew Highmore exposed, Jace Harluck, Zach McEwen, uh, Petrus Palmas, uh, Lucas Jasic. Cole Lind, you could lose Cole Lind. I could see him being a, a young guy that Seattle takes. On defense, I'm protecting Myers, Schmidt, and Ole Ulevi. There's a lot of UFAs on that list, so let him take them. Let him grab it at Alex Sadler for a chance to negotiate with him earlier. I don't know. I mean, I don't even necessarily know that I want him back on the Canucks based on his playing age. Nothing against him. I've always been an Alex Sadler fan, but his time is very much near the end of his career. So he's 35. And if you can't sign him to a one-year, $1 million deal, I don't think you do at all. But there's a lot of UFAs on that defensive core. So I'm going with Myers, 
Schmidt. Myers is right hand, right defense. Schmidt can play either side, and you're protecting you Levy just because he's still he's still young. And after his injuries, I thought he played pretty decently last year. I didn't think he was too bad. He had rookie mistakes. They all do. Obviously, I would agree with you. I'd agree with you on the defense. I think it's almost a no brainer that those are the three guys getting getting protected. Yeah, and then in goal, it's the obvious. Thatcher Demko is getting protected, and you expose Holpe. If he gets taken, that's that's a cap hit of four point three off the books, and you sign a, a cheaper option as a backup. That said, I don't, I don't oh, see Holtby getting taken just because yeah. there is only one year left on that deal. I think Seattle is gonna, and this is gonna come into play in my discussion of the Calgary Flames. I think Seattle is gonna take players that are signed for longer that they can get a little more cost control on. I, I don't see a guy like Holtby getting taken. He's not going to fetch you a lot in any trade discussions either. So why you would take a guy with one year, 4.3 million cap it. I, I'm pretty sure you're safe there. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I don't, I don't think he would get taken, but there's a lot of talk around Braden Holtby and his contract situation because 24 hours after Tampa lifted the cup, we are in the buyout window now. So that being said, I could see the Canucks losing an RFA such as a Cole Lind. Uh, he's probably has more upside than uh, a Jace Harlock or Matthew Highmore, even though both of them have much more NHL experience. It's not a lot, but they do have more than Cole Lind. Um, so I could see one of, one of those guys going. Younger RFA, you're either building the prospect pool for Seattle or you're taking a chance of bringing them in and popping them in and, out, in and out of the lineup at a fourth line role. I, being, I, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that the next part would be, you know, I got, I got other things to say when it comes to the buyout options. Cause I, there's definitely a few for the Canucks. Well, let me go through my slight change to your list and then we can talk about Jake for Tannen after. <laughs> How did you know? I totally agree with you. I think the Canucks are, it's pretty straightforward. You got, like I said, you got Demko, Oli Uevi, Nate Schmidt, Tyler Myers, Elias Pedersen, Tyler Mott, I'm protecting. Uh, the guy can't score in a breakaway, but he's still got speed to burn. He's a good player. Tanner Pearson, JT Miller, Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, Elias Pedersen, no brainers. The only difference that I have, and I'm protecting this guy, I know he's older, strictly because of the fact he plays center is Jay Beagle. I think you're protecting Jay Beagle ahead of uh, who did you protect? Grad Gradjevic. Sure. He plays center. I just, you still need a little bit of veteran leadership on your team and you still need to show these guys, some of the younger players, the ropes. Jay Beagle's a Stanley cup champion. He's only got one year left at $3 million. So it's not like you're, you know, you're already two years into that bad contract. What's one more year? I, I'm i keeping uh, Jay Beagle strictly because he does have value. They play center and he could be a leadership. To me, it came down to Roussel and Beagle as to which one you'd kept. And, and strictly by position, I'm, I'm keeping Beagle over all the others. Any of your other choices, I totally agree with. Um you guys are going to probably lose a decent young player and it could be uh, Grovac, could be Cole. 
uh, Cole Lynn, sorry, Louis Erickson, you could all hope and pray it's going to be him. That's not going to happen. No. Uh, Brandon Sutter's a UFA, so maybe you luck out and they pick a UFA from you. I, I just don't see that happening either. Sven Berchi, maybe I don't see that happening. But let's move on to Jake Vertanen because I think this is a discussion that going into last offseason, I would have picked him as a shoe-in to be protected. Not anymore. No, and even last season when he was going in as an RFA, I, I, I don't I didn't understand the qualifying of Jake Vertanen and then the contract he got. And everyone in Vancouver likes to go, we signed Jake Vertanen to that, but we couldn't give that money to Toffoli. Well, they a decision was made, rightly or wrongly, just like it was in for Calgary fans, get over it. It's it's done. It happened. You can live and die on that sword for the next 17 years if you want to. What's the point? It, it, it happened. Get over it. Jake Vertanen should not have been a Canuck last year, in my opinion. Jake Vertanen, as a 24-year-old, is a perfect buyout option for many reasons. One, his inconsistent play, not ever living up to the hype that they and the expectations they had on on him is hands down an easy reason to do it. The next part of it comes into it and I think this is why it wasn't done 10 seconds after the window opened is cuz I think the Canucks are waiting to see if they can just terminate his contract based on all of the other things that are going on outside of the game. And well how that the optics of that I don't know. It just Buy him out, get rid of him. It's like a 50,000 cap hit for next season and 500,000 the year after. Just do it. Based on his age, it is not a detriment to the team to do it like it is doing buying out a veteran. So just do it and get it over with. Get rid of him. Wash your hands of him. He's not your problem anymore. He'll probably end up in the KHL for two, three years until he gets his act cleaned up and people might forget what's going on. Just Get rid of them, get over, get it over with. Seattle's not going to take them. They're not going to take a problem. So buy them out. Jake Vertanen is the first obvious choice that I would. I wouldn't touch a buyout on Louis Erickson because no. you're going into the sixth and final year of that deal. Yes, it's a $6 million cap hit, but you don't save anything. A Louis, sorry, a Jake Vertanen buyout saves you almost two, over $2 million for the cap. So you gain that money, which is makes sense. So do it. And you just want to rid yourself of that, that issue. So you buy out Britannia, you don't buy out Beagle, you don't buy out Roussel, you don't buy out Erickson because it doesn't do you any favors with the cap. Just you're going into the final years of those deals. You've already done it for five and three years with the other guys, finish it out. And then not this off season, but next off season, when you're looking at, down your 30 million in cap space to spend, even with whatever you're going to pay uh, Hughes and Pedersen, you still got money to burn to bring in players. Now, if you want to bring in some of that higher end or higher end talent, mid level guys now, you buy out for Tannen. And this is my going back to the Holtby conversation you buy out Holtby because, wow. and, and it's nothing against wow. Holtby. It's like, I don't, I don't mind Braden Holpe. He didn't have a great year, but 
you're paying 4.3 again on the cap for a backup goaltender now because Demko is going to be making five plus. You're going to play Demko. So if you buy out Braden Holtby, you end up saving something like 3.8 million next year's cap. Well, between that and for Tannen, that gives you enough money that you're almost able to go out and spend 4 million on two players, whether it's defense and mid, mid to top six forward, somewhere on that, that's a second line player. You, you could do that kind of move if you could go out and get a backup at a million and you put someone that's just going to play the odd game to give Demko a break. Maybe there's a little bit of a risk there, but if you're able to get another top four defenseman and it's not going to be a one or two guy, it's going to be a two B three, a three, a kind of guy. You're going to get someone you can put in your top two pairing because you can't roll with what you have right now. You need to fill that out with, you know, another right D, but it gives you more options to play with now as opposed to having to wait until next year. So if you want to improve it and Jim Benning has been very vocal on how he's going to be aggressive, well, then this is what you do. You go out and you be aggressive. And if you're going to take advantage of the buyouts, I think you buy out for Tannen for the obvious reasons, Holtby for the cap reasons and it, nothing personal. Yeah, I agree with the Vertanen sentiment on this. He's played his last game as a Vancouver Canuck. It's quite possible he's played his last game in the NHL. I The team has to rid him of, get rid of him somehow, and whether that's bury him in the minors and save yourself the million dollars in cap space that way, that's another option. He will never see the ice for the Vancouver Canucks again, in my opinion. Um, I'm a little torn on your Braden Holtby talk. I, I don't see it happening. And the reason being – and can both of us have to come to this uh, conclusion? Our teams aren't Stanley Cup contenders. So let his contract run out instead of making you know his cap hit last for two more seasons, let it last just for one more season. I know we want to go out and chase big fish. I get it. Every fan base wants it. I'm in the same boat you are. Our teams aren't contenders. Sure, we play at a really shitty division and one of our two teams is probably actually going to make the playoffs next year. And be first round, well, no, not first round fodder to the Oilers because we all know the Oilers can't win either. So second round fodder to the Vegas Golden Knights. We're not contenders. So talking about bringing in big names to me, just I don't see it. So I think you hold on to Holtby. But uh, pretty much everything else you said, I, as a Flames fan, I agree with with a lot of your sentiments. And Jake Furtan and see you later. Uh, moving on to the Calgary Flames. The expansion draft, and I know this is a very unpopular opinion with Flames Nation, I think it's very straightforward the way the Calgary Flames go here. We're, we're protecting Jacob Markstrom. We're protecting Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, and Chris Tanev on defense. Who does that leave available? Mark Giordano. I'll come back to that. Up front, again, very straightforward protecting Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, Michael Backlund, Elias Lindholm, Andrew Mangiapane, and Dylan Dubé. And despite what some crazy people on Leafs Twitter think that Andrew Mangiapane is going to be available, pull your head out of your ass. He's one of our best forwards. No, he's not available. No, we're not trading you Andrew Mangiapane for Justin Hall 
how about you watch some hockey before you make stupid statements like that? Absolutely ridiculous. So who does that leave available in the Calgary Flames? Mark Giordano, Milan Lucic, who agreed to waive his no-move clause. And I'm going to say Oliver Shillington and Matthew Phillips. Those are about the only four guys who are potentially available. And to me, everybody thinks Mark Giordano is going to get taken or everybody's freaking out that we can't let them take Mark Giordano to living, save him. Well, who, why? You can't protect a 37 year old defenseman with one year left making 6.75 million. And this isn't a knock on Giordano at all. The guy's amazing. He's a hell of a player. He's our heart and soul. He's our team captain. We got to put emotion aside and talk business of hockey at the moment. You got to leave him exposed. Do I think Vegas or Vegas, Seattle's going to take him? Absolutely not. We're going to go back to the Braden Holtby talk. Why would they take a defenseman with one year left on a deal at 6.75 million, maybe unless they're going to use it to hit the salary cap floor? Are they going to take a 37-year-old defenseman with one year left? They're not going to. Unless they decide that they want to flip him for further assets, then maybe. But that's going to be a lot. Like that's asking a lot down the road to win a trade for Mark Giordano later. So I honestly think we're going to lose Oliver Shillington in the expansion draft, a young defenseman who can skate like the wind. Today's game is all about skating. I personally believe it's going to be Oliver Shillington that Calgary loses. It could be Giordano. I am not wasting any assets protecting Giordano because I don't see it happening, to be completely frank. I'm pretty sure we're going to have our top four defense intact. If he is gone, then great. The Calgary Flames get almost $7 million in cap space, and that's not a negative either. Ken, do you see any other scenarios playing out? Well, yeah, you completely left out the fact that you got to protect based on Flames Twitter, Jack Eichel and Tarasenko after you've picked them up in deals. So I don't know where you're coming up with some of your, uh, yeah, the, the list of things that I've seen on Flames Twitter for who you're trading and who you're not. uh, I don't think so. I think Derek Ryan, even as a UFA, he's from the area in Seattle. Yep, that's a really he, good point. He's a potential guy that you could bring in as a local boy. Man, he's 34. And make him a leader on the team. Right? You get that that uh, you know, local kid comes home to play. You assign him to a couple-year deal because he is 34. He's, he's not a spring chicken. Um, but he's still a lot. He's younger than G- Giordano. Um, I don't think so. I... I I would throw this out to you because there's always been the talk of shaking up the Calgary core. Do you leave Sean Monahan exposed? You don't get anything back for him, but it gives you 6.375 in cap space for the next two years where your return is a good UFA signing. It's funny you throw out that name because I actually thought about that. I'm going to say an hour before we recorded, I go, would they do it? And then to me, the obvious answer and clear answer is no, because what forward are you going to protect in place of him? Matthew Phillips, Zach Ronaldo, Byron Fraze, Brett Ritchie. It it just, it doesn't make sense. There's no, 
If there was a, another option of a forward to protect in place of Sean Monaghan, then maybe. But really, there isn't. And Calgary Flames are not going to go the four by protect four defense, four forward model, because then you're exposing one of, and this Toronto fan is going to love it, Magiapani or Dubé. Well, that's not going to happen either. So I think strictly for the fact that you are trying to trade Sean Monaghan for assets, which could be difficult because he's hurt and there's rumors he may not play even into the start of the season. I, I thought about that idea, but no, there's just no one you would protect in place of him. And when you're potentially looking at losing Giordano already, you're potentially going to get that cap savings anyway. So I thought about it, but I just do not see a scenario where they do that. If you could take, because the Flames are picking 12th, right? Yep. If you could take that 12th pick and make a deal, and it may include some other guys that are maybe on your exempt list, uh, but if you could take that 12th pick and a prospect or two or another conditional pick down the road and make a deal for a player that is comparable to Monaghan but maybe cheaper, you could leave him exposed. That would all be done post-expansion draft anyways, in my opinion. Well, so... you got you got teams that need to make deals right now. Like uh, There's been a lot of talk about, say, guys like Warren Fogle out of Carolina. There's other guys that you look at, uh, Philadelphia. Could you take one of the guys on there that maybe a Travis Konechny, right? They've been talking about him on, on uh, the Canuck side of things because he's Bo Horvat's cousin, right? Could you... Could you move something? I don't know if you'd move the number nine pick for a Travis Konechny, but there are other, yeah, there are other options. Out there. I'd rather see a move it for Reinhardt than uh, than Konechny. We had a little more bang for your buck, I think, there. But right, you could make. You've got this window right now between now and the seventeenth to potentially shake your roster up, where you could get a decent to good player that a team knows. I'm potentially going to lose him for nothing so I could get him for something. The Canucks did it with Nate Schmidt in Vegas. They had to make a move to be able to bring in Petrangelo, and the Canucks gave up a third-round pick to get Nate Schmidt, right? Like, Schmidt didn't have a great year, but that's still a steal. And who wants out? Well, I, I don't know if it – there's – he hasn't said it. And the, I think the best way I've heard it put is – no one's pouring gasoline on it, but no one's putting cold water on it either. I think it's a situation where if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, he's going to show up. He's going to play. I think both sides can agree it wasn't a great year for either the team or Nate Schmidt. Now, is that because he came into the, the COVID camp and everything else and it just never got going? He had to play the season with Alex Edler. And Nate Schmidt's style of play does not fit with Alex Edler, who needs someone who can actually skate fast and make up for his blunders. Because if you're not doing that, you get exposed real bad. And it happened a lot where Edler was out of position and not able to get back. And it put his partner in a bad spot, which a lot of the time is Nate Schmidt. So you put him with a better partner on the back end and maybe you get the Nate Schmidt you thought you were getting. Cause he's not a bad player. I think a lot of it has to do with that, but I just think there's, this is the time where you could shake your roster up and make some of those adjustments you want to, 
and see where it goes there. And even if they don't select Monahan and exposed, you've still brought in another top six player, and you can uh, you can go for that trade when Monahan down the road. Yeah, and that's actually going to come up in my kind of the rest of my primer, the Calgary Flames. I do believe Sean Monahan is definitely on the trading block, and the Flames are actively trying to trade him. I don't see it happening before expansion, but I do potentially see it happening at or just before the draft because Calgary does have a rather lucrative draft pick that is potentially in play in the right circumstances to go along with Sean Monahan. And so I think I do agree with you. I think you're trying to flip and get rid of Sean Monahan, but I don't think it's pre-expansion draft. So let's move into kind of the rest of the off season for the Vancouver Canucks. Ken, what do you see playing out? What's your, your biggest weaknesses, your biggest needs? Is there any fish out there that you'd love to see the team bring in? You know, let's throw some names out there and, and let's see where we go on this. Yeah, well, I mean, looking at the Canucks, they, they've they got their the big holes that they need to fill is defense. Right now, they have Jack Rathbone, Nate Schmidt, and Tyler Myers under contract. And, I mean, throw Quinn Hughes in there because he's an RFA and he'll be there. Oli Ulevi, same thing. He should, I don't see why he wouldn't be back. So, you've got three NHL defensemen, two prospects. Only Levy didn't get a lot of games last year, so we'll see how that goes. There's talk about bringing Hamannick back because I think he did have a good fit with Hughes, but it's just another question. Will he sign for a lower deal? Sounds like he wants to get paid a little bit more this year, a little bit more term, and he's open to playing wherever. So I think kind of tough right now because you've got the expansion draft so you don't know what your roster is going to let be left looking like um until after the 20 21st so defense i think the canucks definitely need to spend some of this money that they have on their defense and bring in another top four guy really think this could be the end of alex Sadler's time in vancouver and it probably should be yeah and, and it's it's time. He's 35. You cannot give him term or dollar on a contract if you do. If you could give him a one-year deal at very reasonable team-friendly money, okay. But there has to be a level set expectation that, Alex, you are not a top four defenseman. You are in the bottom pairing, possibly in and out of the lineup, because we cannot get burned by your foot speed and mistakes anymore. He's not the Alex Edler that was putting pucks in the net, setting guys up. He had hardly any points last year and has gone, I think, over a calendar year without scoring a goal. I was just going to say, I don't, he never did get his 100th, did he? No. Like, he didn't get one. He almost did, but Brock Besser tipped it in front. And he, I think the look on Besser's face afterwards was like, asshole. Ah, uh, sorry. Right? Like, it, I just think it's time it, it's it's one of those hard moves. It's the Vancouver Canucks Zdeno Chara moment. This they have to make a decision that is smart for the team. They cannot go into it with their hearts. They just can't. And I think as tough as it would be, you let them go. Defense for me is the biggest thing. Your goaltending is set with that Trudemko, uh, Braden Holpe potentially, most likely as a backup for next year. 
So I don't think you got to do anything there. Uh, forwards, you see who you lose. You see who you're bringing back. I don't bring back Brandon Sutter. I just, you, you don't. At this point in time, he's 32. He spent more time in this five-year deal on the injured list than actually playing. The guy like Tyler, Tyler Grayovac as a UFA, I'd bring him back on a, on a deal. Uh, obviously small. He's not an impact player, but, you know, he's 28. He showed some some grit and things later in the season. Boyd, VC, see you later. Like they, they, such a little impact. They could go. Mark Michaelis is an RFA. I don't even know if he gets qualified. So the Canucks need to fill out their their forwards, and it needs to be smart moves. Guys that you can bring on a one and a half, maybe two million dollar deal. See if you can make a deal where you bring in pre-expansion draft guys that other teams don't want to lose. So I think there's some options there. Uh, Warren Fogel has been tossed around. Uh, can they get a Travis Konechny? As for the names for the for the free agents coming up, right now I don't know because there's so much uncertainty. They they haven't. I think it's really going to come down to what they sign Hughes and Pedersen for because that's probably going to be bridge deals in the range of 15 million total. So, I I don't know on that. I think. Quinn Hughes might want to get paid more than five million a season. I think he's worth more than five million a season. Let's say, like, I'm assuming you're thinking kind of the two to three year shorter term, somewhere in the five to seven million dollar range. I was um, thinking, well, yeah, seven to eight for either or. Yeah, okay. right? like I wasn't thinking either one was getting ten, one was getting five. When I say fifteen, it's either seven and a half each or seven and eight because there's talks that both of them have been given anything from two to five year deals. But the thing is, now with the US TV deals coming in, things going back to normal, do players want to shortchange themselves on a long-term deal, knowing that with the new US money and things coming in, the cap could increase fairly soon and potentially by a lot. Do you do you go out and get that, take the money now in the term, or do you take the three-year bridge deal and then get paid? Yeah. Afterwards. Right. So I, I think the Canucks have presented several options to both of them from shorter bridge deals to long-term deals. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go, but I think that holds a few things up. The other thing that they have to do is they have to get their a new AHL franchise or relocated AHL franchise in Abbotsford. They have to get players for that team as well, because they really don't have a lot of guys going to Abbotsford as it stands right now, they'll have Louis Erickson and uh, potentially some other guys playing for him. But it uh, it's going to be a busy off season, and yeah, it's uh, right now. I don't know. There's a lot of some uncertainty just because the Canucks have two big RFA's they need to get signed and paid going into next season. I mostly agree with what you've said there. To me, the Canucks have the high-end talent on their roster, and the Canucks need to put a focus on defense, 100%. I think it's bottom six defense, top or uh, uh, number five, six, seven defense. I think they, the Canucks need to, let's get, say, get NHL quality defensemen 
on their five, six spot. I don't think Travis Hamannick or Alex Edler are those solutions. I think Travis Hamannick had an okay year in Vancouver when he was in the lineup, but from a guy I watched him for three years in Calgary and he's a warrior, but his best days are behind him. I don't think it's Travis Hamannick, Alex Edler, his best days are behind him. The, the Canucks need NHL caliber five, six defensemen and the Canucks need NHL caliber bottom six forwards. If the Canucks can, especially on the forward ranks, to me, if the Canucks can fill out the bottom of that roster with actual NHL defensemen or not uh, NHL forwards, bottom six, they could do some damage next year. They have Elias Pedersen, superstar. They have Bo Horvat, great leader. Brock Besser looks like a 30, 40 goal man now. He's got it figured out. The Canucks have the high-end talent. Quinn Hughes on the back end to lead this team. Thatcher Demko in goal to lead this team. They need to fill out the roster properly. And, and I think that they could be a top two, top three team. They could fight with the Oilers for second in the division. They could easily get third place. They, they have to do it right. They can't go and sign the Jay Beagles and uh, Roussel's to four-year $12 million deals. And, and sorry, I shortchanged Jim Benning's quality work earlier in the episode saying he only signed him to a three-year deal. It was actually a four-year deal. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. I was letting him off easy. Gagne was the only three-year deal. Yeah, that's right. The, the Canucks aren't that far away. And it pains me to say this as a Calgary Flames fan. They're not. They just need proper roster construction and fill out the bottom of their lineup with actual NHLers. And they're there. They're there. And they need some bounce back seasons. They can't have the half-ass give a meter JT Miller that we saw last year. Elias Pedersen had a little bit of regression last year as well. That could have been COVID related. A lot of that. They just need those guys to rebound to what they were in even 2019. And the Canucks can be right there. That's, well, Pe- that's my take on them. Pedersen spent over half a season on injured. So how much of his regression or not going forward was based on potential injury as opposed to just people going, yeah, no, he's a good guy. We got to figure out how to check him. I mean, the Canucks also have Nils Hoaglander. I think both of us kind of glossed over him. He's a guy who, you know, played really well at times and outshone some of the other names you've said. He played really well last year and was, looks like he could be another guy that steps up and, and is another young star for the team. And this is where I kind of, with when you say bringing in that NHL talent on the defense and even in the bottom end without paying $4 million on a long-term deal like that, that's where the buyout of Holtby could help you do that now rather than next offseason after another down year. It depends on how you want to look at it. You could take that step sooner because Benning has said he's on a two-year deal. Well, deal has two years remaining and this is it for him. This would be year eight and nine. If he actually plays out his contract and if the team doesn't do something, it's really a one-year deal and they're firing on some point during next season or after the season. So him saying he's going to be aggressive. Isn't just to turn the team around is to save his ass and keep his job. Cause if he doesn't do that, it's done. So I, this is where I say you could, I 
believes that there's going to be two buyouts. It's going to be Vertanen. It's going to be Holtby. And he's going to use that money to do some of what you said, bring in the NHL caliber defense up near the bottom and in the bottom six without having to spend a bag full of money. I want to preface what I said about me believing the Canucks aren't that far away. The Canucks aren't that far away from being second round fodder to the Vegas Golden Knights. Because I don't think they're good enough. And I know you you said, well, we took them to seven games. I don't care. That was a very one-sided series. And I don't think much has changed into the construction of the teams. But I do like where the Canucks are headed. And I think they can be a team that makes some noise in the Pacific Division. Again, depending on what happens with Seattle. Because we thought with Vegas coming in, those were... uh, what were they freebies on the bingo card? I think is what yeah. Francis referred to it as uh, with, uh, with the Ottawa senators this year that, yeah, that didn't happen. Um, they're not far, but they're far away from being a contender. So I guess if, if you can bring in those guys and you brought up a great name, I, I didn't gloss over them. I just Nils Hoaglander. He's just on that team. And I think he fills that mold of a potential third line player right now that is NHL caliber with some skill. He's one of those guys. I said you had to keep Jay Beagle, and I still think you have Jay Beagle. You do want him because there's two of those guys. Realistically, I think the Canucks need to find two or three bottom six NHL caliber players to be a team that can finish second in the Pacific Division. Yeah, I I think depending on what happens and goes in with the expansion draft, Guys like Erickson, Roussel could be playing in Abbotsford just to free up. You're not going to get any cap relief on that, but you free up spots on the roster for someone else to play so that your bottom, your fourth line isn't costing you $12 million. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Ken. I know you actually haven't prepared for this. If the Vancouver Canucks could get one player this offseason, who is it? And you can't say Connor McDavid. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not going to go with the obvious, you know, Alice Ovechkin or Taylor Hall, just because I don't want him. Looking at who some of the free agents are going into it and the money they're making right now. I don't know. I mean, like, you go after a guy like Sam Reinhart, that's going to be a trade. Yeah, and that's that's an open game. That's fair game for me. If if you yeah. if Sam Reinhart is the player you want, I'm fine with that because he's kind of on my radar too as a Calgary Flames fan. Well, and he wants to come out. He has said he's got one year left on his deal, but he wants to come out west. He's a he's an out west guy. He wants to play there. Duncan Keith wants to come out west. <sighs> Duncan Keith can go wherever he wants outside of Vancouver. Um, I think Sam Reinhardt, Sam Reinhardt could be a fit and you may, you may be able to get a hometown discount out of him if that's what he truly wants to do, but you're giving up the ninth overall pick and potential others to get that deal to happen uh, because Buffalo is not going to do it for free. So no. I, I don't, I don't hate that idea of Sam Reinhardt in Vancouver. Um, if you could sign someone else, they, it just depends. 
there there are going to be guys out there this season that are available. I mean, for defense, do you sign an Ian Cole? He's a, he's thirty two, but he can play both sides. There, David Savard is a is going to be a UFA. There's there's going to be options out there. Alec Martinez, if you want to talk NHL defenseman, you you bring him in and maybe bump someone else down, or you you put a a Jack Rathbone or OU Levy to play with someone, a veteran who can play with them and play a different style than they do. But I think if you have one player, uh, let's go with Sam Reinhardt. Like I, I wouldn't hate that deal as long as you could get him and then sign him to an extension that makes sense for the future. Yep. A, a guy like Reinhardt might cost you pod Coles in and your first, and you, you might be willing to make that deal. He's, he's, he kind of checks the boxes of, of being a, an NHL forward and the Canucks need NHL caliber forwards. He's got a lot of upside. So I agree with you. He, he's actually one of the guys that was on my Calgary flames radar of guys that I'd be willing to move significant pieces for to bring in. He just, he checks a lot of boxes. And I know there's a lot of rumors out there about his attitude in the dressing room and such, but I'm going to give the guy a bit of a flyer there and say, well, you are in Buffalo. And, and Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly said it the best. Like the whole attitude there is a losing one. Yes. They're just so used to losing. I, and I don't know if they would be a pot Coles in, in that deal, because there's so much hype in the pumping that the Canucks have done with him that I don't yep. see them turning around, but it could be maybe. It's not necessarily pot Coles. And I just, yeah. it would cost you that, that kind of level of prospect. Yeah. Jet Wu maybe. Yeah. A right right side defenseman that you could still, if there's some polish on that prospect rating, then you can move a guy like that out. So moving on to the Calgary Flames. Last year was, I think of any team in the Canadian division, the Calgary Flames underwhelmed more than any other team in the Canadian division and maybe even in the NHL. There was a lot of hype going into last season. There was a lot of moves made by Treliving that people were wooing over. I talked about the Cal, uh, the Vancouver Canucks needing to bring in b- legit bottom six NHL forwards to fill up the roster. There was a belief that Brad Living did that last year with guys like Dominic Simone, Josh Levo, Nordstrom. It didn't happen. It didn't work. <laughs> Epic no. fail. And, I, and I'm not one of those fire Living, blame Living. This one to me rests at the feet of the players. Where do they go from here? Well, there's some obvious needs in the Calgary Flames. The very first one, a backup goaltender. We traded David Riddich at the trade deadline, and we we do not have a backup goalie. Some names out there, James Reimer maybe, David Riddich. Do we look at bringing him back again? I'm, no. Why? I'm, a, I'm big time on the no train on that one. I know there's a large segment of Calgary Flames Twitter nation that is heavily leaning on the yes side of that. I'm not on that side. I'm, Why don't you trade Monaghan for Bennett then too while you're at it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he's a, an intriguing name. He's familiar to us. I don't want it to happen, but I, he's on the list. Jonathan Bernay, Linus Allmark, Laurent Brassois. Halak's Yeah, Halak's going to cost too much. And or do the Flames 
just go young and let Tyler Parsons, who's already in our system, have a shot. I, I'm not leaning towards that option. I'd like to see a legit NHL backup goalie. As much as I want Louis Domingue and his, uh, his pastry cooking abilities back on the team, I don't see that one happening. So backup goalie is priority. I don't want to say priority one, but it's a high priority. Top end forwards. This is where this team is in trouble. And this is why there is a lot of rumors out there right now with the Calgary Flames. We do not have a legit number one center. Sean Monaghan was supposed to be that player. Sam Bennett was supposed to be that player. Elias Lindholm is the closest to what we have to being that player. He's not a top line center. We also need top six right wingers. Elias Lindholm fills one of those spots, but as I just mentioned, he's sometimes at center. Andrew Mangiapane, I love the player. He's not a top line, top forward pair. He's, he's uh, I'm going to say lines two through three, mid, middle six forward, in my opinion. Dylan Dubé is also a middle six. The Flames lack high-end game-breaking talent. We don't have Elias Pettersson. We don't have Leon Dreisaitl. We don't have what looks to be Cole Caulfield. We don't have these guys in our system. This is our, our big weakness. I think on defense, we might lose Mark Giordano. We might not. If we do lose Mark Giordano, while well, we're now missing a, a I'm going to say a second pairing to left shot defenseman that we might have to go out and get. I want to believe it's Yusuf Alamaki, but he really struggled last season. So I'm not sure that that is the fit. I'm, I'm hoping he has a bounce back season. And, and if we do lose Jordano, maybe that's a blessing in disguise because we gain 7 million and Valimaki just seamlessly fills that role. We would then need a new captain. And I know everybody's clamoring for Matthew Kachuk. He's not my next captain. I'm looking at a guy, Elias Lindholm, potentially being the next captain. Andrew Mangiapane, potentially being the next captain. I know he's young, but you know, just the way those guys play. Uh, the Flames are also probably going to lose Derek Ryan. And you brought him up as potential uh, Kraken expansion. I I could see that. Same thing happened with Derek England. They took a local guy that they could sign and kind of go, hey, here's a hometown guy. I would love to bring Derek Ryan back, not at the three-plus million he's making right now. If you can get him in the $1 million range, I would, I would look at it. He's a solid penalty killer, solid bottom six forward. He's the only real significant UFA we have. Brett Ritchie's a UFA, and I know people are going to die. He's going to get brought back, and everybody's going to go, oh, but he's going to play with Monahan and Goudreau again. Hey, he's a top-line player. Yeah, well, no. he's. I think in, a, in the right role, Brett Ritchie, fourth line, yes, bring him back. He actually wasn't terrible, but he can't be playing with Monaghan and Goudreau, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> that was painful. Some, I enjoyed it. Some key departures. And to me, this is where it is an open bag. The Flames could lose Jordano. They're probably going to lose Josh Lebo. Probably going to lose Derek Ryan. But this is where it really gets interesting. What do we do with our core? Because we might lose Sean Monaghan. We might lose Johnny Goudreau. Matthew Kachuk, there's rumors he might want traded. I don't buy into those at all. And that kind of leads me to the, the main topic is what do the Flames do with this core? 
it's clear these guys can't win. It's clear. So something has to be done. And the Flames are being linked to some very big names. Jack Eichel, Vladimir Tarasenko. I understand why they're being linked to these names. Because we don't have game breakers. Is there a way you can build a package for Jack Eichel around Matthew Kachuk? Maybe. Maybe there is. I get why these guys are being linked to the Flames. There's a problem here. Our core is in need of a huge shakeup, in my opinion. The first one that to me is Sean Monaghan. What are you realistically going to get for him? You're not going to get a lot. Like You're not going to get. I hate to say, like, Flames Twitter is starting to sound like Leafs fandom on Twitter when hey, it comes to, hey, hey, hey it's almost as bad. Because right now, the Leafs are tied to every single free agent. They're making stupid trade things. Like someone on Leafs Twitter said Joey Anderson, the rights to Frederick Anderson, and like a conditional fifth-round pick that becomes a fourth round if the Leafs win the cup for Jack Eichel. Like Flames Twitter is linking every single big name to the team, and it's it's, it's not going to happen. Right. Here's the biggest problem. You're not going to get a lot from Monahan if you try and trade him. Eric Francis, Eric Francis has been quiet on Twitter and everything else because I think he threw his phone against the wall when he saw, I think it was Elliot Friedman's report that Johnny Goudreau and the Flames were talking in extension. Rightfully uh, so. And here's the big thing there's a lot of love for Matthew Kachuk. And I agree with you, he is not captain material if Giordano leaves. You have one more season of them. You then have to qualify him at $9 million. Is he right now, if you get the same season next year as you did this year, is he a $9 million player? Absolutely not. So if you trade him now while the shine is still there, you could get more for him. If he has a similar season, you're not going to get anything of value in return. You're not going to get an Eichel. You're not going to get a Tarasenko. You're not going to get that without throwing the world as an add-on in that deal. And then you have to, if you don't qualify him, he walks as a UFA straight to St. Louis. So the big question is, what do you do? Because if he's not performing, like a lot of your core has not done, over the last two to three years. Because, hey, if we go back and play the tapes, I picked the Flames to win the division. We also picked Montreal to be nowhere near where they were. Yeah, I said six. I at least had them one spot higher than you did. But I picked the team, the Flames, to finish first because of what they did and what they should be able to do on the ice, what they did in the offseason and what they should be able to do on the ice. And it they felt flat on their face and very underwhelming, very disappointing season. And it's going to be tough for you to go into a trade and try and win a trade because your players don't have the value they did three years ago. And that's what I think people are going into right now, thinking that the Johnny Goudreau's, the Sean Monahans, the Matthew Chucks are worth what they were when the flames were contending and a lot better. So it's going to be difficult. Same position. What do you do? How do you shake that up and make it better? 
you got to rid yourself of the contracts. So that's why I say you expose a Sean Monaghan who has two years left at 6.375. You expose him and hope he gets taken. So that's freed up money you can spend on an impact player for your core that can do what you need to do because they're available. Yeah, I, I do agree with what you're saying. And I don't think you're going to win a Sean Monaghan trade because you're not going to get it in for him. And uh, the the potential risk of, well, what if he does rebound and become that 30-goal scorer again and you sold him for pennies on the dollar? There's definitely that worry. Johnny Goudreau, to me, there is – you have to do everything you can to re-sign this guy. And the reason I say that is I want to look at the sample size of when he wasn't playing with Sean Monaghan this year. When Johnny Goudreau played with Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm, that was one of the, that was a great line. Johnny Goudreau was third in the NHL scoring race in those 20 games, behind only two guys in Edmonton, McDavid and Drysdale. I think if you're going into next year with a top line of Lindholm, Goudreau, Kachuk, that's a legit top line in my opinion. To me, the most important thing is you can't go into next season thinking Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau have to play together. We are two and a half seasons done of that duo not working. So if Sean Monaghan is still on this roster, Sean Monaghan's your third line center. I know that's a hefty price to pay for you know six million dollars for a third line center. Michael Backlund's clearly your second line center on this team in that scenario. And maybe you can flip-flop those two. I don't know. I think the Flames are, are way further ahead going into next season with the notion Goudreau and Monaghan do not play together at all. I think you got a better Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan sucked on whatever line he played on. So it didn't matter. I think those for those reasons, you got to try to keep Goudreau around. He is a superstar. And I know people say he wilts come to playoff times. Well, he's also been playing with Sean Monaghan in the last two playoffs. To me, a lot of what is wrong with the Flames is Sean Monaghan, and it's because of injuries. It's not – I don't want to blame it on the fact he just isn't good anymore. Injuries have derailed his career. So I want to kind of rewind, cut it back to the 2019-2020 offseason. The Flames needed to add depth at the bottom of the lineup. They tried. They failed epically. I think if you take that approach again, you could actually potentially be successful with this team. As poor as this team did last year, in my opinion, they're a playoff team in the Pacific Division next year as constructed. They probably finished third in that division as constructed if you make no changes. So if adding some bottom line players and some actual NHL bottom of the roster players, you may be able to bump yourself up. You also need bounce back seasons from Rasmus Anderson and Yusuf Alamaki, who were horrific this year, disappointingly so, because I actually picked those two to be breakout standouts for the Flames. But I'm looking at kind of guys that could be realistic in the bottom of your lineup. Barkley Goodrow with Tampa Bay Lightning. He's kind of a million dollar player, I think. I think you can get him to be a fourth line player. I'm looking at Cedric Paquette, Tampa Bay Lightning, another guy. They're not going to be bringing him back. You know, you might be able to get him in the one and a half to two million dollar range. There's a uh, third Tampa Bay Lightning player that I'm very intrigued by, Blake Coleman. 
Could you go and get him in the, let's say the $3 million range? You could maybe take Derek Ryan's money and turn it into Blake Coleman. I'm okay with that. Alex Wenberg from Florida last year could be had in that $3 million range. The guy had 17 goals last year. Like there are some intriguing names out there. Corey Perry. Now I don't see that happening, but uh, he's, he's already linked to Toronto. So just yeah, don't, yeah. don't bother him and gets Corey Perry, Eric Halla. There, there's some bottom Jordan Martin up, but there are some bottom of the lineup. You brought up a name earlier, Warren Fogel. Very intriguing to me. Yeah. There is some bottom of the lineup talent available. Josh Levo. I would be okay with them bringing back Josh Levo. Really? Yeah. Uh, he I, he battled injuries. He battled injuries this year, and I know that's now his thing. That's exactly what I was just going to say. When he was in the lineup, he was one of our best analytical players for generating chances. So a guy like Josh Levo, if he's playing a bottom six role, I'm okay with that. Everybody's clamoring for the Flames to make significant changes. I'm one of them. I don't think it's going to happen. Like you said, Jack Eichel, pipe dream. Vladimir Tarasenko, pipe dream. I think the Flames can try again what they did last offseason and build a proper bottom six of the lineup. And I think they can finish second, third in that division. And I think that's the road they're going to go down again. Sorry, Flames Nation. I know we're clamoring for major changes. I do not see it happening. I think you're going to see tinkering at the bottom of the lineup again, unless you could somehow swing a Jack Eichel trade. I'm on the Jack Eichel. If you can turn Matthew Kachuk, our first, and Jacob Peltier into Jack Eichel, do it. Please do it. 100% do it. I don't see it happening. So let me, let me, well, go into the, some of the teams you mentioned. Tampa Bay is another one that there's some players on there. Sorelli, Cernak, those are guys that they may not be able to protect yes, and yes. are very, very possible trade options for the Canucks or the Flames to go out and get and would rather protect them than some of the guys we got to protect now because those guys are going to be players and they're going to be cheaper. They're UFA, you've got control on them. Tampa is a prime suspect to be grabbed from to get players that they can't protect that are good and will fill your needs. Now, I'm going to say this, John, I'm sorry, but I found a way for you guys to save $4 million over the next two years, but it's going to cost you $2 million, two more after that. You're not going to win a John or sorry, a Monahan trade, Sean Monahan trade. Ooh, I don't know. You buy him buy out. Him out. Wow. You got him under contract for two years. A buyout adds two years, but the cap hit that going into this next season, 2.27. You save 4.1 plus. Second season, which would have been his last, cap hits 2.395 plus. You save just under four million. Then the last two years are two point zero two million on the cap. Now, I do it. I do it because what has Sean Monahan given you over the past two and a half years that says you keep him and pay him twelve against your cap over the next two years? Six point three seven five 
versus 2.27 and 2.39. You save $4 million and you can spend that money on a second line center or another forward or two bottom six play players for your third and fourth line, or you spend that money on another higher end defenseman that could fit in a, a second pairing role. It's not going to be popular and any Flames fan are probably going to tell me I'm an idiot. Go ahead, but it makes sense. If you look at it and the cost savings, it would make sense to buy them out because if you want to trade them for anything of value, you're adding to it. Do you want to give up a Connor Zary type player to get rid of Monaghan and his underperforming contract? You know, it's actually really funny you brought this up because I'm not going to lie. I had never, ever, ever, ever even remotely thought about the possibility of buying out Sean Monaghan. And you know what? I can get on that train. I really can. Him eating up $6 million of your cap for, for two years, for two more years is significant, especially when you look at Brad Tree Living and Daryl Sutter are signed for two more years. Two years. Is Daryl Sutter going to want to roll out $6 million in dead cap space to be a second, third line center? I don't know that he's going to, going to want to. Is there that huge risk that I just mentioned of, of Sean Monaghan rebounding and finding his 30, 40 goal ways? Sure. Nothing tells me from what I've seen in the last, let's say, two seasons, that's going to happen. The guy's injury prone. Ken, I had never, ever even thought about it. And I actually think it's a legit possibility. So you are saving $4 million in cap space. I would be a little more comfortable with that notion of buying out Sean Monaghan if I knew a little bit more of what Glenn Godden was and what Connor Zary was. I do think Connor Zary is a legit uh, NHL prospect. But you I know what Sean Monaghan is. I do know what Sean Monaghan is. The potential is right versus what you do know is better. Yes, it, that is a wow. You kind of got me speechless here because I had never actually thought about it, and it actually makes a ton of sense to me. It really so does. I took the Jim Benning. We're gonna be aggressive because the similarities between the Canucks coaching and GM are on the exact same level. Benning, two years remaining. True Living, two years remaining. Travis Green. He got a two-year deal, whereas goalie coach got a five-year deal. Travis Green is tied to Jim Benning on a two-year deal. Daryl Sutter is tied to Tree Living on a two-year deal, which means if it does not work, they're all gone at the same time. Now, you're coaching and GMing for your job. You can't hope that you're going to have a bounce-back season when you have two years on the job left. And you talk about the, the what if the bounce back season. It'll happen. It happens all the time. But you know what? Nothing right now says he's worth that money. And you can live in the what ifs all you want. But what has that gotten you? That's 17 years of it was in, in Flames Nation. Okay. Hashtag get over it. It's done. It's over. If you want to live your life and there's people out there that were like four when this happened, if you actually remember that game and were four five, six years old, and you're still complaining about it today, I highly doubt it's because you cared at the time. 
you're jumping on what the older fans have been crying about for 17 years. Get over it. It goes to every fan base. Whatever happened in the past, it's done. It's over. Look to the future. You will not win if you stick with the what ifs. The Canucks have done it with Jake Vertanen. The Flames have did it with Sam Bennett and finally cut bait, which was the right move a yes. year too late. And people yeah. are still going, but Sam Bennett scored this many goals in Florida. Whatever. They got bounced in the first round and he got suspended. He really helped them do that much better. The Florida Panthers did not need Sam Bennett to finish second in the division and go out in the first round to Tampa. That was going to happen anyways. If it happens, it happens. A lot of the times, they might have one year. Canucks fan, ba- fan base was all up in arms when they traded Cody Hodgson, who felt he should have been a second-line center at the time when he had Henrik Sedin and Ryan Kessler in their prime during the Canucks' very good years of winning the President Trophy, thinking he should have been there. And, oh, oh my God, he got traded to Buffalo for Zach Cassian. And guess what, everybody? Zach Cassian's in the league, and Cody Hodgson was bought out four years ago. So Cody Hodgson was a top prospect. You have to make a decision when there is the clear-cut evidence in front of you. So if the Flames want to turn it around quicker, and if the Flames want to bring in the types of players you're talking about, a Sean Monaghan buyout makes 110% sense. I know there's fans out there, and that's why I apologize to John first, because he probably wouldn't like it, but... It's what you need to do to be a contending team. You have to think financially and what makes sense for the team now and in the future versus, but we really like this guy and we hope he can turn it around. We drafted him. He's been a flint. you got to walk away. I'm going to throw a couple of interesting names out to Flames Nation right now. If we bought out Sean Monaghan, we had roughly, let's say, $4 million more cap space. Could you then use that cap space to target and you'd have to pay more for these guys in 4 million. I understand that. Gabriel Landeskog and Jaden Schwartz. Absolutely. Significant upgrades over what we got out of Sean Monaghan last year. I'm not convinced either of those guys would come here, but could you use that money that's now being tied up in a clearly depreciating Sean Monaghan and try to go after one of those two. I'm sorry, the Calgary Flames with Gabriel Landeskog on their team, much better. The Calgary Flames with Jaden Schwartz on their team, much better. What about even Taylor Hall? I know we don't really want to go there, but Taylor Hall is better than Sean Monahan. Could you put some of that money towards Taylor Hall? Maybe. You know, I had never even ever thought about that, Ken, and I got to give you some credit. It actually makes a lot of sense. It really, really does. I know we're trying to use them as a trade chip, but if you use them as a trade chip, what are you going to get back? I don't think you're going to get much back. Maybe Arizona would be willing to, to, to take that he's going to have a rebound, maybe, but I, I don't know. That's a very, very intriguing, intriguing thing. I, I'd never even thought of it. But if you could turn his $4 million into Blake Coleman, if you could tell me right now I could trade Sean Monaghan for Blake Coleman, I would probably say yes to that. So it is a very intriguing proposition, Ken. But what, what contract are you taking back from Tampa to make that work? Well, Blake Coleman's a free agent. So what I'm trying to say is if you have that $4 million, do you go after Blake Coleman with that $4 oh, million? Gotcha. That's my what bad, I'm my trying bad. to say. 
Sorry, I thought so, you meant in a trade. No, because yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's not going to happen. I don't know. I think the Calgary Flames are better not having him in the lineup. The Calgary Flames were already a better team last year when we broke up Monaghan and Goudreau. So removing him from the equation entirely could be major addition by subtraction. Yeah. So looking at, you brought up Landis Coggin. He's a free agent, but he took a team-friendly deal in Colorado already once. And that team has got some money to spend coming up on. They got to sign some players. They got Landis Cog, Saad, um, Tyson Yost as a uh, RFA. You got McCarr and McKinnon after this year. Like that's yeah. $20 million. You're already paying Ratton in 9.25. Nate McKinnon is two years remaining, uh, 6.3. Burakovsky's 4.9 coming up after one more year. Kadri at uh, four and a half, one more year. Like they've got some money, but they've got to spend a lot. Their projected cap space going into the offseason is 25, just shy of 25 and a half. I don't know if Landis Gog wants to take another team-friendly deal with how the team performed in the playoffs again. So they may not be able to sign him and he may be available. So you take the $4 million in savings, it absolutely could be a potential signing for the Flames. I just think you have to look at all options. And if you're not going to win a trade, well, bite the bullet, buy him out, and you win $4 million in cap space. You just said something that I totally agree with with the Calgary Flames. You have to look at all options. You have to. I think there's very few untouchables. I want to put Johnny Goudreau in that, but if he's not signed to an extension, he's not an untouchable. I think Elias Lindholm, Andrew Maggiapani, Dylan Dubé, I think those are untouchables. Jacob Markstrom. Short of that, you have to look at everything. And this is a very, very potentially turbulent offseason coming up for Brad Tree Living. And Daryl Sutter, I'm going to lump the two together because they have two years to turn it around. Tree Living might only have one. There is most likely the idea for significant change. Like I said earlier, though, I'm not convinced it's actually going to happen because of how poor our division is. I think the Flames are looking at, we're probably a playoff team as constructed and that's their goal. But if we actually want to go on a run, significant change does need to happen. I will agree to that. And if you can somehow figure out Jack Eichel, yes, please do it. Yes. I don't get that. I'm not a Jack Eichel fan. Like I just don't, you talk injury prone. The guy's holding off on neck surgery right now. Yeah. Like, so if it happens, when do you actually see him next year? And is he the Jack Eichel that everyone thought that was pushing Connor McDavid to be the first overall pick? I haven't seen that Jack Eichel in the, in his career so far. I somewhat disagree. I think he had a really tough year last year. I think he's playing half-heartedly because he wants out of Buffalo so bad. And I think if you get him into another situation, then maybe he does give that, you know, 110% going back to a hockey cliche, get him out of there. And maybe he does rebound. It's a pretty hefty price tag at $10 million per season to bring on. But I think the risk reward, if you get the reward, in my opinion, it's well worth it. The Calgary Flames haven't had a legit top line center in what I'm 40. I haven't seen one since Joe Newendike. And that's going back quite a ways. So I would be willing for the team to take that chance and do it. 
strictly to say, yay, we have a top line center, I could scratch that off the list. I'm all for it. And one of the reasons I am all for it is because I bring up the name Matthew Kachuk. Well, I'm potentially one season away from paying Matthew Kachuk $9 million. Would I rather pay Matthew Kachuk $9 million or Jack Eichel 10? I'm pretty sure I'm going to play Jack Eichel 10. Okay, here, here's where I say Jack Eichel is not the player that he was hyped up to be. And this is why I don't get it. Rookie year, he played 81 games. Shortened season 1920, he played 68. So call it a full season. That is the only season he has scored over more over 30 goals. He had 36. His previous high was 28. Before that, 25, 24, 24. He only played 21 games for Buffalo this past season, had two goals. And he still 18 had 20 points. points or he's still a point of game player on a bad team. Yeah, but this is this is where Connor McDavid was on a bad Edmonton Oilers team, but put up points. He still produced and showed why he was hyped up to be what he is. And I just think $10 million price tag for a 50 to 60 point player is not enough. That's too much. That's just my thoughts on it. And I said, there's huge risk reward in it, but I think the reward in this circumstance does outweigh the risk. There you have it. Flames Nation, Canucks Nation. What do you think of our off-season prognostications? Do you agree with what we're thinking? A lot of bottom six depth. Do the Flames, should they buy out Sean Monaghan? That's a really big, that's a big ticket that Ken brought up. Reach out to Ken specifically on that one at the BleacherCon too, if you agreed with it. John, I would love if you would reach out to Ken and get going on this and discuss it. I think uh, it's very intriguing and I had never actually thought of it. Again, reach out. I'm at the BleacherCon 1. Ken is at the BleacherCon 2. All right. Well, that's our show for this week, guys. We want to thank everyone for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you shortly. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone.